This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. Let's talk about being sober. Let's talk about it. Um, this is a hard one for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not a hard one for me. Well, like, so let me let me say it this way. I drink and I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I try to do it as responsible as I can. Yep. Um, however, if you have a problem, you probably should abstain. Or if you think that there is a potential that you could, or if there are theological implications that you think are there. Um, yeah, do what's right for you. Um, yeah. So here, here's this is not where I'm at, but yeah. So here's the part I would say: it's not a difficult one for me, um, mainly because I know both sides of the argument. Sure, and I think they both have validity. I mean, I was on that side of the argument for a long time. Yeah, you were, and so because they both have validity, I don't, I don't have a problem no. with anyone's perspective if it's valid. Sure, if it's just ridiculous, like I'm, it wasn't alcohol, like. Alcohol back then yeah. wasn't actually yeah alcoholic. that like yeah. that one I'm just like okay nope nope Jesus didn't drink wine yeah yeah I think there's enough evidence there as last episode says to to tell you that that's just not the case but yeah the the question of should Christians abstain from alcohol it's, is a different question than saying did Jesus drink or sure is it okay to drink sure because as we've talked about numerous times, we all know that alcohol can have very negative effects. Absolutely. Some of those stories are recorded in the Bible. Absolutely. I mean, we're told of Noah's experience of drunkenness in which he curses his own son. We're told of lots, multiple experiences of drunkenness in which he has ancestral relationships with his children that end up fathering nations that war against that Israelites. war against the Israelites. Yep. Um, I mean, we're just story after story after story where drunkenness leads to horrific things. Yeah, and so there's something to be said that hey, if if drunkenness can do that, well, if I just don't drink, then I won't do those things. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's very totally valid, valid point. Yeah, I saw a TikTok the other day. Um, it was this dude, obviously, like, just ripped. Yeah. You know, this kind of, you look at him and you would think he's like a, a, a meathead in the gym. Yeah. Right? And those guys, I don't know if you've ever drank with those guys. Those guys can drink. I've never drank with a meathead. Oh, okay. Well, those guys can, yes, you have. You've drank with... Uh, our friend that lives um, in New York. Not going to call his name out. Oh, he's not a meathead, though. He kind of is. <laughs> he kind of is. No, he's something else, but he's not a meathead. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know those things where, like, where the beat of the music or of the, the soundtrack hits on the TikTok and they point to yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, he pointed and it said something like he was like 25 years old, never had a drop of alcohol. Mm. Why? 
Because of an addictive personality. Oh, yeah. I saw this one. Also why? Because um, alcoholism runs in my family. Yeah. And I don't want the struggles. Yeah. Like, good for him. Yeah, that's a very viable position to be in. I And, like, when people are in those positions... I want to encourage them. Absolutely. Like I, yeah, if, if you know, if you are self-aware enough to know your own struggles in family history, that, that that's a decision that you feel you need to make for the safety of yourself and those around you, Absolutely. more flipping power to you. Bro. Absolutely. We have a, a family member that I was talking to, gosh, since COVID, I guess it's been a couple of years now. Um, geez, that seems like forever ago, but. Well, COVID's only a year old. I know, but it was before um, COVID. It was before COVID. Gotcha. I mean, gotcha. Right. Um, and he comes from a tradition in which, um, widely not accepted to drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, while he himself says that it's probably cool, um, he just doesn't do it for himself. Yeah. And I asked him, well, like, if you think it's okay, then why not? And he said, because I have an addictive personality. I know that I do. Yeah. And it scares me. Yeah. And I was like, more power to you, bud. Yep. More power to you. Enough said. Enough said. Yep. And that's the thing. I Nothing in me is saying that abstinence is bad. No, absolutely not. Everything in me is saying that we should stop saying that abstinence is commanded in the Bible. 100%. That's my qualm. Absolutely. That's the qualm. That's my qualm. I got qualm. Yeah, that's my qualm. So, absolutely. We can see in the Bible there are these massive stories about the abuse of alcohol sure. and how it has damaging effects. Truth is, though, and I, I would also be remiss if I didn't point this out, we know medically that if we abuse food, we have massive effects on our own health. Everything in moderation. Exactly. And so anything you take to an extreme is very problematic for yourself and those that are around you. For sure. So that's why that's why I can go there and go, well, if it's about moderation, then I need all things in moderation, not just alcohol. Yeah. Right? Alcohol is a thing I need in moderation, but but anything that I touch, I need in moderation. And we're going to do episodes about this, so I'm not going to jump into it right now, but the same goes with the manner in which you manage your money. Mm. Moderation in the way you manage your money. Because you can go spend happy, and it can consume you buying things, or you can go penny pincher happy, and it can consume you being greedy. Everything in moderation. So that would be point and slash argument position number one for abstinence yep. around alcohol. Number two would be the way in which you read a few New Testament verses. Those that say, do not be a drunkard or a person of much wine. Now, as I've said multiple times, drunkard is a habitual, yep. someone who does this continually. An alcoholic. An alcoholic. Someone who struggles with substance abuse. Yes. That that would be what a drunkard is. Um, The more loose one that's used, I think it's in 1 Timothy, um, that's used 
for the qualifications of deacons or overseers to not be a person of much wine. Let me look at this. Mm, yeah, so it's 1 Timothy 3 for qualification of a deacon. Deacons, likewise, must be serious, not double-tongued, not indulging in much wine. But yet, in the qualifications of a bishop, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, a bishop is said that they must not, not a drunkard. So we've got two different uses here around alcohol neither of which I read and say that they're saying you can't drink at all. Mm -hmm. There are some people that read this. Yeah. Uh, read this this way. And a lot of traditional Baptist churches have historically read this about deacons and said they deacons cannot drink. Yeah. And yet I think, in fact, um, our partner church, not to be named uh, on the podcast by name um, actually just went through this a couple years ago. It was written in policy that deacons could not drink alcohol and the pastor led them through truly studying the scriptures and led them to vote that policy out because not, not to say that they shouldn't or that they should, but it is to say, and this was the pastor's conviction is like, it's not a biblical qualification. Sure. And this is a very conservative church. Yeah. Um, and yet it's where the pastor was like, we are a Bible church who loves God, and this is not a biblical qualification. This is not the way we should be reading it. But there are a lot of historic Baptist churches that do read it that way. Sure. That, that this thing, because it doesn't say drunkard, it says uh, does not indulge in much wine— I actually think it, I think they're saying the same thing, but yeah, because to get drunk, you got to indulge in a lot of wine, but, or a lot of some kind of alcohol, but well, that's where on your size and all yeah, yeah, yeah. well, a lot relative to who you are. Yeah. Right. So that would be point number two about abstinence is like these conversations around drunkenness or being a drunkard or, or of much wine. Once again, I would be in that boat. I don't think, like, if you're drunk, yeah, you, if you are struggling or if you're in recovery, yeah, yeah. drinking's not a, it's not a liberty you get to partake in anymore. Sure. Um, sometimes we, we live with who we are. And if you are that addictive personality, if you have that history of alcoholism or abuse, yeah. This is not for you, and this would be a call to abstinence. This would be the one called abstinence. If you are a drunkard, the answer is to not drink. Yeah. The other one would be a voluntary one that we talked about for position one is I'm voluntarily putting this on myself so that I don't do these heinous things. Yeah. Which also both very admirable. One, you're doing it for the safety of yourself and those around you for what could happen. One, you're doing it for the safety of yourself and those around you because you know it will happen. Sure. 
both are very admirable positions because you're taking on the posture of Christ and sacrificing a liberty that you have for the benefit of others. Yeah. Absolutely a valuable place, an honorable place, an admirable place for you to be. I will never say that you are wrong for doing that. Absolutely. And once again, I think the age-old argument for abstinence that we need to talk about is Paul's argument in Romans chapter 14. This is an interesting one for me. So Paul, oddly enough, it is actually quite fitting uh, as I sit here and think about it. It is quite fitting. So the conversation here, and well, this is not this is not a closer look. If this were a closer look, I'd do some more background into this Bible text, but I'm not gonna. I'm going to reserve that. You're gonna preach it at some point. I'm sure I will. The whole lead up here is about judging one another. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're judging each other for what they eat. Yeah. Long story short. You got traditionally Jewish people and traditionally Gentile people, and they're judging one another because the Jews are saying we still need to abide by the food rituals. So I can't stand that we show up here for breakfast to hang out with you before church and you keep eating all this bacon. Can't stand it. This is not literal. <laughs> no, no. But Jews can't eat pork. Yeah. And it's it's a an unclean meat. And Gentiles don't have that problem. Yeah. And so they're fighting over, can we eat meat? <clears throat> yeah. And, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot that goes on here. There's a whole but, lot of But things. the whole thing, I don't, I don't have time to get into it. I want no. to. I'm, I'm struggling. My preacher want to come out. Um, there's a lot going on here, and but the context that Paul's trying to get at is like, hey, no matter which side you fall on, don't judge. Yeah, like the judgment right. is the hard part. Don't don't judge either side. If you eat meat, don't judge those who don't eat meat, and if you don't eat meat, don't judge those who do. But then Paul has this statement. He says, "Let us therefore no longer pass judgment." This is uh, Romans fourteen verse thirteen. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. If your Mm. brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed are those who have no reason to condemn themselves because of what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat because they do not act from faith for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So there's 
an episode of Pints and Perspectives in there for sure, if not two or three. <laughs> I think there's an episode of A Closer Look that we've done there too. Oh, for sure. I preached this text. I, as I was just sitting here thinking about it, I've preached this text about judgment. Um, I think it was like one of the first stories I ever told for Wellhouse. It's Romans 14. Oh, we and have to go back in the archive and look. I don't remember. Yeah, we'll have to. I'm pretty sure I've preached this. Um, and the, the, I'm pretty sure I have. The, the whole point, though, is that stop judging people for what they choose to yeah, do. Yeah, that's the point, is stop judging people. Y- y- you're not God. Yeah, but the same but the same point is for someone who wants to abstain from alcohol, this is a good place to go. Oh, for sure. Is that I'm abstaining cuz I don't want to cause someone else to stumble if they see me drinking. Yep. Which once again, you are taking the posture of Christ and that is a very admirable 100%. place for you to be. Yep. Like don't hear anything I'm saying as demeaning or disregarding your position there. Now, in the same way, if you're really going to be true to this text and that is your position, you can't judge people who do drink. Mm-hmm. Like that's the primary thing that Paul's getting at is whether you eat or drink or don't eat or drink, don't judge. Yeah. Like that's the main problem here. It, they're doing what they think God wants of them. Yeah. And honestly... Neither of them are probably wrong. Yeah, I don't think either. I don't think the Bible is not super clear on this issue. No. And like so after Jesus' death and resurrection, the 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 eating of unclean meats isn't really talked about again until this point. Um Well no, Galatians are written before this and they talk about it in Galatians. So Paul and Peter have that whole thing there about circumcision and eating Oh, at the table of Gentiles right. and yeah. Yeah, that's right. They got that whole thing in there. Well, never mind then. So not exactly. My tape my, my point is moo. Yeah. Well, your point is moo. Like a <laughs> cow's moo. opinion. It just <laughs> doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> uh, Joey Trivia. Yeah, little friends trivia in there for you. But so we wanted to do this episode on abstinence because I do think it is a viable position and it, it is. and it should be a position that is taught as well. Because there are a lot of people who need to abstain from alcohol. Sure. Now, I want to spend the last couple minutes that we have here telling why I choose not to abstain. Because there are a lot of people that are sitting here going, well, these seem like really good reasons to abstain from alcohol. And they are. And for a lot of people, you should abstain. If you feel convicted to abstain, that's the other thing. I, I really think I've preached this text before, this Romans 14 text. Go back and look. And if I have, I tell you in there that write it, right, wrong, indifferent, love it, hate it, despise it. Paul is arguing that sin is subjective. Exactly. That it's unique to your own convictions. Yep. If you feel convicted about drinking alcohol, then Don't it is drink. your duty to not drink. Absolutely. Because that is something that the Lord is at work in you for whatever reason. Yep. The reason I choose not to abstain is because, number one, I don't feel convicted about it. Yeah. Like, first and foremost, it's not a conviction that I have. 
Number two, we at Wellhouse are trying to reach a people who have been hurt by the church. Yep. And hurt by a lot of the judgments and stigmas that have come from the church and the pain that they've they felt from the people of God through hypocrisy or whatever judgment they experienced. Yep. And so one of the things we have to do at Wellhouse in order to reach those people, because we talk about it a lot, if there's one group of people that the church has largely ignored, it's those that were once a part of us and left hurt that we basically just said, unless you're going to give us another shot, sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. Yep. We spend so much time chasing the lost, we never go reconcile with those we first hurt. We at Wellhouse feel really called to those people. And in order for us to reach those people, we have to obliterate every stereotype or preconceived notion they have about the church because they are so hurt and calloused and bitter. We They have to be able to look at us and go, wait, they are living faith differently. That's right. There, are su- there is such a large category of people that fit this, that grew up in church or went to church for a while and were hurt by the church, and the church never pursued reconciliation with them. And so they still want to be a Christian, but they're hurt, they're angry, they're deconstructing, they're all of those things. And when they look around and they see you know, all the things that a normal church would have, it sparks their anger all over again because they haven't found a place to heal because, what do we always say? If church is not a place of healing and wholeness, we're doing it wrong. Yep. They're looking around and going, none of these places are places of healing and wholeness. And so when we claim that it's a place of healing and wholeness, we need to be and look radically different to break down any stereotype that they might have in order for them to give us a chance. We need to be all things to all people yep. in the truest sense. Going yep. all the way back to Paul, right? Yep. In the very truest sense. Yep. We have to be all things to all people. Yeah, that's First Corinthians 9. If that means having a beer with someone that comes to Wellhouse, yeah. that has questions, that's deconstructing, having that conversa- conversation over a beer, it's a very chill, very comfortable, relaxed way to have that kind of conversation. Absolutely. When um, you when you introduce a beer into that conversation, a beer, a single beer, just literally having a pastor sitting in front of you with a beer automatically knocks down any walls of defense that someone might have because they immediately go, "Hey, you're not the thing that hurt me. Mm-hmm. You d- you don't do the things of the people that hurt me. You're doing something different." And but, so I can at but least yet you still live a life that reflects that. Well, and you still live faithful to Jesus. Well, that's yeah. what that's what I was meaning. Yeah, you you live faithful to Jesus, but yet you don't do the things that those other people did that hurt me. And so that's why I choose not to abstain. And that's why I'm very passionate about this issue because this is one of the issues that hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This one purity culture, simple judgment. I mean, if we want to go way back, the way you have to dress to go to church. I mean, there were so many just asinine things that in a good spirit, I think for the most part, Christians were doing that ended up just hurting a lot of people that 
those like myself who are students of church history and culture are now seeing and going, hey, we've got to do something because we hurt a lot of people. Yeah. You know, my, my social work brain is is pinging right now mm. because, like, there's so many ways that the church has hurt so many different people. Yeah. Did you know that statistically you are way more likely to um, combat the Black Lives Matter movement if you are a white evangelical Christian? Yeah, I did know that. Statistically speaking... That's just true. Yep. You are also likely, way more likely to um, combat LGBTQ movements. Yeah. Um, just all around just being a very combative person with other human beings. Yeah. If you are a white evangelical Christian. Statistically speaking, that is true. When it's because... Um, we, the church has become a place not of love and of it's acceptance. It's of combat. Yeah. It's of combat. It's about power. And conflict. And, yep. and, and, and I'm holier than you are. Yeah. Um, or you're not doing it right because you don't do it the way I do it. Exactly. Um, that yep. goes back to the Cain and Abel story as well. Yep. Right? Um, ultimately... Stop fighting. Yeah. Stop judging. And do you and let other people do them. Yeah, that's the point. I think if we if we all this is you know, I wanted to have this conversation because it's it's a very divisive one in the church. Sure. And Look, if you ever get to a point of extreme in anything, you're probably in the wrong. Um, if you're so passionate on either side of this that you can't see the other side, you're probably wrong. Um, and I wanted to have this conversation because it is something that a lot of people are passionate about, but I wanted to ultimately get to this part of the conversation where we could say, hey, you know what? Wherever you're at on this, cool. Um, but also... Stay in your lane, bro. Mm, yes. Like, yeah, exactly. Love people that are different than you. You know, I was, I was listening to the advancement podcast this morning and, um, our uncle is on that podcast or, or he, he, yeah, it's his podcast. It's, yeah. Technically Todd calls himself the host, but, um, yeah, but anyway, but Todd doesn't work for advancement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, what, I was listening to an episode that was that was put on YouTube back in October, I think, with Dr. Ben Blackwell. Mm. Um, and essentially, they were talking about the differences between biblical prophecy and modern prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about uh, how lots of times the Israelites would go into these wars that God did not tell them to go into. Yeah. Um, and essentially that's the point that they came to. Don't fight the fight that you weren't called to fight. Yeah. And they use that term exactly. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Stop fighting the fight that you weren't called to fight. 
Because yeah. you weren't called to fight. You were called to love. You were called to be a, a safe space. Stop fighting if it's not your fight. Yeah. Or in the words of Paul in Romans chapter 14, verse 15, if your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died.